Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will. I can't handle a hangover. Mjordan, how is it going tonight, William? That is certainly correct, my friend. I cannot handle these 4am finishes anymore. It has had me reeling for a couple of days now and I must apologise for us being late because I literally could not peel myself off of my couch to get in the recording studio. So here we are, day late, certainly a buck short and uh, <laughs> I, I must apologise but I'm here now and I'm, I'm fired up to, to give us a, a great episode. Okay, that's good. We've got a big show, week eight recap. We welcome back the Big Ten, uh, which went off more or less without a hitch, but certainly there was a lot of stuff that happened around this particular week of college football. Uh, there were some big games, fractionally less chaotic, but we won't lead you on too much. Let's get into our 360 Rewinds. The Big Ten is back, and it kind of went to script for them, actually, in regards to what it's been doing for the whole year for all the conferences, and that is the best team in the conference won comfortably, and then there was a bit of a destruction derby behind that in lots of ways. Uh, your take on the Big Ten's first week out, Will? Yeah, I mean, the the teams, the top teams in each conference or each division of the conference in Wisconsin and Ohio State both looked really good. Both came out, both quarterbacks only missed one pass on the day. Incredible. And then there was Penn State, Indiana. The last two minutes of that game is absolutely bananas. Like, that shit just went crazy. We'll touch on it in more detail later, but end up going overtime, two-point uh, conversion in overtime, Indiana getting the upset, so that was unreal. Uh, and Rutgers snapped a 21-game conference losing streak getting over Michigan State on the road. So yeah. they've turned it around, very Arkansas-like, uh, you might yeah. say, and... and Hey, I'm, I'm happy for them, but obviously issues in East Lansing. Yeah, Mel Tucker did not get off to a good start with all the big circus that was his uh, eventual coaching or eventual landing there as the head coach coming from Colorado. Um, but things can only get up from there when you lose to Rutgers. I don't have too much more. What else do you want to touch on before I've got my last take? We don't have long here, but anything else that we do need to get to? I think the big boys all rolled. So Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Notre Dame, top four at the moment, all looked really good. And it's worth mentioning that because we haven't seen necessarily that continually, but they uh, certainly flex their muscles across the weekend. And lastly, the thing that I will bring to the table is, generally speaking, we had a pretty good week picking games. I'm not going to say that um, I nailed everything or you nailed everything, but if you take all the things that we did get right collectively, we actually had a pretty good week out. I know that's not how it works. You don't get to kind of pull all the best bits together. You've got to take the good and the bad, and there was certainly a lot of bad in there, but overall, I thought we did a pretty good job. Yeah, no, I think we do have that ability. We can cut and edit shit, so I, I can go back and, and do that for us if you'd like. It, it, it is nice when you uh, do manage to pick a few things and you do it as well. We can pat ourselves on the back. Even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Exactly, exactly. All right, well, that's pretty much it, which sort of sounds like we're underselling what a quality week of college football it really was. Um, we do have a couple of bits of news to get to. Uh, we've got the rewind and we'll hit all the game recaps as well. Before we do get into any of that, please make sure that you do hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram and on, what's the other one? Facebook at CFB Down Under. Um, we're getting a little bit more traction in those social media spaces. So please do hit us up. Please leave a five-star review. Please tell all your friends as well. Tell your family, bribe people, blackmail people. We don't really mind, but do get in touch um, as we start to get to not necessarily the pointy end, but every loss from this point out is certainly going to be remembered when it comes to rankings and uh, you know fighting into relevant bowl situations. Uh so, yeah, it's certainly getting into that really, really congested part of the season heading into November. All right, let's get to some news. Unfortunately, we've got to start in some bad spaces. Jalen Waddle, the Alabama wide receiver, out for the season. High ankle sprain, um, which may have escalated slightly, but it's going to 
cause him to pack it in for the year. And Alabama will miss him. I know they've got a lot of good dudes around him as well, but uh, they will miss him sorely. He is one of the most electric players in all of college football. So even though he is only averaging something like four catches a game, I think he's also averaging 140 yards a game on those four catches or something ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Uh, Graham Mertz is out with COVID. Another COVID situation. Um, but, you know, that's the way it goes. And he got off to a cracking start this week. Yeah, a bit of a funny one. So he's the backup quarterback at Wisconsin with, uh, is it Jack Cohn, the starter, had a foot injury in the offseason. So Mertz has stepped up. We obviously didn't know a great deal about him. And he lit it up, broke a whole bunch of Wisconsin passing records in his first game. Looked like he was the real deal. And unfortunately, with the Big Ten rulings that they are, he will now need to sit for a minimum of 21 days uh, on the back of this testing. I mean, we say we didn't know heaps about him. He was highly, highly recruited. Um, big body, well kind of known in recruiting circles. But from a playing perspective, absolutely. And that puts them in a difficult spot now, especially with their inability to run the ball. But we will talk about that a little more in their game recap. The last one is the first bowl bid has been accepted for season 2020. I've never heard of this happening this early. Maybe it has. But Army have accepted the Independence Bowl, which is an interesting situation this far out. I don't know why you would accept that, especially with their record that they have at the moment. Ah, oh, who knows? Take, take what you can get, I guess. Book it in early and you can get yeah, a cheap apparently. discount rate out there. Uh, last one that I want to mention in the news that I've seen uh, pop out today was the five-star 2021 number one cornerback, Jaquincy Kool-Aid McKinstry, has selected Alabama to play next year. So that the rich get richer. That's not a name. That it, is not a name. Jaquincy Kool-Aid McKinstry. What a boss. So <laughs> he's certainly going to... name out. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to be repping that a lot over the years. I think he'll probably only play three years at the college level because he looks to be an elite talent, but he wants to work under Nick Saban, especially sees him as the best coach of defensive backs, which is tough to argue and is keen to progress his career with the Crimson Tide. And no doubt he will do that. All right, let's get into our game recaps for week number eight. Let's start in the Big Ten and let's go to the top. Indiana and Penn State. I know that was a long clip, but that was just the craziness of that particular play. So yes, Indiana do go for two in overtime and come from behind to stun Penn State 36-35. I've got a few little bits and pieces I want to get to, but let's set the stage here for the lead up that caused this whole situation. So with a minute 47 remaining... Penn State are up 21-20 with a first and 10 from the Indiana 14 line. 14 yard line, my apologies. Indiana only has one timeout left. So Penn State hand the ball off to Devin Ford and Indiana, the Indiana defense just runs to the sidelines and says, we don't want to actually tackle you here. We want you to go in for a touchdown because we can't stop the clock anymore. You're ahead by one. You guys will just be able to leak the clock. So Devin Ford tries, but too late to stop and go down at the one-yard line, but accidentally sort of crosses the goal line. If he goes down there, they just kneel on the ball. The game's pretty much over at that point because he could have actually got a first down in the inside the four-yard line. So anyway, he goes in, puts him up by eight. So even though James Franklin wasn't really impressed by the score, you need your defense to hold on for a minute 42 against an offense that really hasn't been that great. And then on top of that, they need to convert a two-point attempt 
Of course, Michael Penix leads him down the field and then he scores on QB sneak and then the two-point attempt is good on the QB draw. We then go to overtime. Penn State score on a third and seven. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we go to overtime, there's still time left and Indiana go to squib the ball. The kicker on the kickoff completely fucks it. It's an onside kick, giving Penn State an opportunity to run a couple of plays, get within field goal range and have a bash, which they do and miss. (laughs) Sorry, I I apologise. That was also a point. Uh, We then go to overtime. Penn State scores on a third and seven, which they really needed to. Kicks the extra point. Uh, and then we get that play with a fantastic throw on third and goal to uh, on the corner route. They sort of win a jump ball, contested catch. Then they decide, you know what, we're on the road. Uh, sorry, we're at home, but you might only get one shot at this, so we go for it. And that play, I still don't know whether it was a score. It was a cold pass play. Penn State had it defended really, really well. Michael Penix takes off for the corner, dives outstretched, and the ball will say simultaneously hits the pylon and out of bounds at the same time. But holy, it eventually gets called for a score and Indiana win. That was absolutely nuts. I am adamant that the ball hit the ground before it hit the pylon. Like That one, was one... my first take as well. When you saw it live, even in replay, the, the what, one from yeah. behind the end zone looked the, the, more like it hit the pylon first. The only but, yeah. thing that I would hold up in, to argue that is that the ball may have crossed the plane before hitting the pylon. So that there may Which have been an opportunity for it. Yeah, I don't think that happened either, though. Yeah. Uh, regardless, crazy, crazy finish. Uh, awesome game. Awesome last two minutes, I guess. Like, it was a really yeah. enjoyable stuff. And, and it's what college football is all about. I feel for Penn State because they obviously had really big uh, plans this season about what they were hoping to do. I, I feel for whoever does game day because I think they're still heading to the Penn State Ohio State game next week. They had that like locked in. They'd booked yeah, in accommodation okay. for everyone, assuming that Penn State were going to win. Can't really do that when they when they don't get up and now they're uh, 0-1 side. So uh, full credit to Indiana. And uh, is it Tom Allen, the, the head boy out there? Yeah. He's really been working hard with that program and turned them into a respectable unit that is continually around the mark, but maybe not getting these marquee wins, not getting a win over a top 10 team. So it's their first top 10 win against a top 10 team since 1987, I believe. Over 30 years for Indiana since I've beaten a top 10 team. Which is a, a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, incredible. And it's the shit we're seeing this year. Like, we, we can't be surprised by that anymore no. because it is just happening every week. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to belabor the point and come back to this two-point attempt, but I am going to. And it was interesting that the referee on the field after they went to video said the call stands, not that the call is confirmed, confirmed which means he wanted no responsibility of taking you know, the decision. He took the decision out of his own hands. Um, if we come back on the Penn State side, I mean, they got themselves into a massive hole early. Sean Clifford threw two picks, put the ball on the carpet in the first half. On top of that, they missed a Nittany Lions missed a field goal to end the half, and they were down 17-7. They did. He did make that incredible play, that incredible run to finish the third quarter. Scrambled for that long touchdown and pretty much avoided the entire Indiana defense. And the Indiana offense on the other side was pretty average for most of the day. They were certainly unspectacular, except on that last drive. The only other complaint that I have about this one, if if I hear about how Frymuth the tight end from Penn State is baby Gronk one more time I'm going to throw it in a barrel that, along with Gus Johnson the commentator and just launch that fucking thing into space because I'm so sick of hearing already after one game that Frymouth is baby Gronk I just shut up I'm going to make sure I start wrapping that in every oh. Penn State coverage we get now there's everyone's baby Gronk <laughs> like everybody there's probably like a Fucking wrestler out there that's baby Gronk. There's You're like right. A, Everyone is baby Gronk and no one is baby Gronk exactly. because there isn't another one. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, fantastic win for Indiana. Uh, they will probably have a mediocre season from this point and Penn State will see if they can recover, but that effectively wipes them out of national championship contention 
in just 60 minutes. So disappointing for them. All right, let's move on. Michigan 49, cruise over, around, and through Minnesota 24. Um, there are a few options and a few directions this game could have gone, but I didn't pick Michigan to control this as easily as they did. And this is the type of win that has escaped Michigan. They have rarely put together a consistently uh, solid win in big matches over the last couple of years. And they didn't get off to a great start. I mean, they they had a penalty, a sack, and then had a punt block, which Minnesota converted for a touchdown. I was like, oh, here we go again. But then Michigan housed a 70-yard touchdown run on the following possession, got a sack fumble touchdown. And from that point on, even though the score tightened up a fraction, the Wolverines felt in control, particularly on offense. A um, bunch of other important special teams plays in the first half. Joe Milton was good. And he is a big, big unit. The offensive line for Michigan, which they lost a lot of pieces last year. That was going to be an area of concern, but they were really good. Their kicking game was really bad. But overall, I was I was impressed. I was impressed with the Wolverines. And Minnesota's offense, whilst that is good, their defense is the worst thing on the field in this game. And I think Michigan looks far more balanced. Um, and anytime you have a 25-point win on the road, that's pretty convincing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Good stuff by Michigan. Definitely. As you said, that start there was, was really concerning. And I think most people watching are like, oh, here goes Michigan again. Like yeah. giving that pump block up, having uh, Minnesota run three players to score a touchdown on the back of that, you think, hmm, this Minnesota team's looking as good as advertised and Michigan are in a whole world of hurt. I think it's next play from scrimmage. Uh, Zach Charbonnet took it 70 yards to the house and then they did not look back. They put on 35 points in the first half and essentially iced this one. Uh, and as impressive as they were offensively, I think it was also the defense too. Like yeah. when they needed to in the second half, never gave Minnesota a sniff. Uh, really controlled the trenches on both sides of the ball and, and that's going to be massive for them. I think their pass rush was quite fearsome throughout uh, this one. And running the ball, I mean, they had, what is it, a half dozen yeah. dudes carry the ball like five yeah. times, but they averaged over eight yards a carry across the day. Like, they, they just controlled that facet of the game. So that's a really good, strong result for them out of the blocks, and they're going to be uh, a team now that has it all ahead of them. Uh, a few concerns in the kicking game, um, yeah. miss, missing three field goals. You've seen... Penn State missed three field goals, and that cost them a match. So they're going to need to tidy that one up uh, as they enter into the full stretch of Big Ten play because there's going to be tight matchups. But I am optimistic on the back of this one for what we can see from this Michigan team. How do you feel about Minnesota now? Because you were pretty big on them not only being well winning this game, but going on to have a pretty big season as well. And I have been known to overreact after one game like most of the media does but 25 points is a lot it didn't necessarily feel like minnesota's offense was that 25 points different i think it was just the defense but where does this leave the golden gophers and are they back to kind of middle challenging and difficult but not necessarily highly competitive at the top end I think absolutely it does. I think this one kind of knocks them out of that top rung within the Big Ten. I can't see them shaping up to Wisconsin with the performance that they had there. Defensively, we knew that they'd lost a bit, but you know, you, you give a bit of credit to PJ Fleck and what he's been able to churn out year in, year out. It may have been that last year was just one of those years where they had Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman offensively. I think they had something like four defensive players drafted, which is the first time that Minnesota's had that in God knows when. And maybe that was the peak for them. And, and we should be expecting this. And after that first uh, appearance, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a big step back from what I was expecting initially this year and, and what we saw last year. Okay, let us continue on. Wisconsin absolutely destroyed Illinois. Graham Mertz was the story in this one as he led the Badgers to a big win. He goes 20 of 21, 248 yards, five touchdowns. I don't actually think this tells us much about Wisconsin. Um, 45 to 7 win. Obviously, they win big. But this, I mean, they, they struggled to run the ball consistently. They didn't need to. Um, and, you know, Jonathan Taylor missing from that team looks like uh, an, a big out for them. Um, but 
Illinois appear to be in real, real trouble this year, particularly on offense. Yeah, well, what what you know has happened here is obviously Big Mertz, he's now got himself COVID. No one else in the team has got it. He's... Yeah, I see what's up. First game, he's had a big win, put up some career numbers, I reckon both on and off the field. <laughs> and that potentially has left him susceptible to a number of viruses. Uh, COVID being one of them. So I, I wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it'll be good to have him back out on the field as soon as he can get that all sorted out. All right. Uh, yeah, so well done to Whiskey, and we will see what they do at that quarterback position throughout the week. Uh, Ohio State beats up on Nebraska 52-17. to Buckeyes rolled straight into a huge, huge win, which, again, is the theme of this particular season. If you are in that top echelon of which there's four or five teams, then you're going to win big early. Nothing really to report here. Justin Fields was good. Garrett Wilson, that wide receiver, filled up the stat sheet. Um, Some questionable targeting calls, which were tough to deal with. The only other thing of note from this one, I don't know if you saw this, but Ryan Day apologized for scoring in the final minute. And I don't know if you read the quote, but he's like, "Uh, we should have taken the knee there. I wanted to apologize but we had some backups in so we just didn't feel like we had the personnel to do that to take a knee and I was like to take a knee that was how it read I was like what you I feel like every quarterback in every team knows how to take a knee like peewee kids have done it high school has done it you're telling me you didn't have the personnel in there to take a knee I don't have a problem with you running up the score I actually have never had a problem with that but don't apologize for it and then say you don't have the personnel in there to take a knee like, yeah I'm, I'm with you like especially if you've got your backups in and yeah, you've, you've had score. limited prep like you get as many game minutes as you can it, it has been tough get these guys the exposure that they need on the field to be able to develop for the rest of the year don't feel bad about that yeah, run the ball maybe a little bit, but let them play. Don't come out with bullshit like they can't get down in the victory formation. <laughs> I just I didn't quite get at that. Anyway, let's push on. Rockers win their first Big Ten game in 21 tries against Michigan State, 38-27. to 27. Seven turnovers for the Spartans never helps, and the Scarlet Knights made the most of consistently short fields. Still not overly convincing for Rockers, um, but 38 points is good. They did that probably a grand total of zero times last year. Greg Schiano gets a win in his return to uh, that Rockers team, and Mel Tucker obviously does not. So all up from here for Michigan State, I would hope. Uh, but well done to Rutgers. And it, I mean, it is tough, tough sledding when you, when you go on such a big, big dry spell. Um, so go on, Rutgers. Yes, yes, I know. Uh, we know about that. And what, they, spells or? yeah, uh, they they lost every game in the Big Ten last year by at least twenty seven points. Ugh. That's that's not good going. So to then come around this year, game one, get a win on the road, awesome result for the old Scarlet Knights. Purdue overcome a first half deficit to down Iowa. Gee, I really butchered that. Twenty four to twenty. Um, we've spoken so much about Rondale Moore for the Boilermakers and how big of an impact he would have. And we've been a little remiss to mention David Bell in the lead up because he was the other weapon in that team. And he proved so on Sunday or Saturday. He had 13 catches, 121 yards and three TDs to boot. So great job for the Boilermakers. I think they're going to be okay this year. Their defense is better still not great their offense is going to be really really good so i think there's things to like about this purdue team if they can stop the run which they're going to need to in the big 10 then i think they've actually got a chance because they should be able to put up points i really like the soft spot you've got for purdue i do have i do have a soft spot for purdue i don't know why that's happened i don't know why that's happened it's one of life's great mysteries but i really like it Well, who's your soft spot? Who's the who gets in on the uh, soft underbelly of Will Murden's affection? I've got a few. I feel like Cincinnati are in there. Uh, yeah. Boston, Boston College, for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, actually, you, you, you actually do like Boston College. Strange. <laughs> All right, Northwestern crushed Maryland forty-three to three. I got nothing. The Terps are not good. They are not good. 
they are not beating Michigan State at this point. They could no, be the worst team in the Big Ten. That's a disastrous start for them. And oh. Mike Loxley's seat must just turn on fire immediately. No way. No way. Year three, he's running at about 25% win rate. And then to turn out that in your first performance, something's got to change. Uh, they need to see some form of improvement. Or absolutely, they've, they've got to go in a different direction, you'd think. I, yeah. I mean, he was a big-time big hire at the time. And I, I just don't know that you turn away from him this early. We are motoring through here, which is rare for us. So we're going to keep this train rolling. I think, again, a bit of a theme of this week. There were some crazy games, but a lot of kind of games decided by halftime, three-quarter time. Um, and which, which is really handy when you're quite hungover on the couch. Oh, yeah. All right, let's get to the Big 12. Hubbard. Look at him stay alive. Chuba, chew on that. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma State edge. I say edge Iowa State 24 to 21. They pretty much kind of after that run from Chuba Hubbard to put them up 14 to 7. Sort of felt like they were in control the whole way. The story again in this one has to be the Oklahoma State defense who uh, really kept Brock Purdy in check. They allowed Brees Hall to get out the gate on one, but really controlled that Iowa State defense and only allowed 14 points up until, what, the very last minute of the game was a bit of a, a junk time score there for Iowa State to close the gap. But what were your thoughts on, on Oklahoma State as they jump up to number six in the polls? Yes, so uh, the defense continues to shine and, and you're spot on in that they obviously came in with a plan that they wanted to prevent Brock Purdy from getting off the chain and really worked to that. And yes, Brees Hall, had a fantastic game himself he ended up going for 185 yards on the ground but it what it the offense for Iowa State became very one-dimensional and you can kind of almost manage that like when when you've got one big run in and amongst that the rest of it you can deal with uh so Oklahoma State's defense continue to be the really impressive thing from from my side of the fence uh offensively Spencer Sanders got his first action back from the injury he uh, suffered in the opening quarter of the first game, and he looked really good. So he stepped in. There was talk about maybe a dual quarterback system. I think that was all smoke and mirrors. was never going to happen. Uh, he came in and showed that dynamic running ability that he had, and there were a few really big third-down conversions that he had, one through the air, two with his legs, and, and you just don't see that with Shane Illingworth, the other one that they had. Like, it, it's real dynamic play where he has that true dual threat so I think he's an important one for them to have in they have a very tough stretch ahead of them with the three games being Texas Kansas State and Oklahoma I believe uh, mm -hmm. all back to back that's a tough run and you're going to need everyone up and firing for that so it's good to see him back in and amongst it and it's a fair bit of optimism at Oklahoma State at the moment and so there should be as well I think you know, they're looking to be a genuine, um, I think it, they look to be a genuine challenger of not only the Big 12, but I think going even beyond that, they've got to be looking with finally a defense that might be able to hack it coming out of the Big 12 in a bowl game against a, someone from another conference. Because that's always been the weakness. It's always been Oklahoma's issue going into the playoff. And Oklahoma State might actually have the defense to be able to roll with these teams. So that's fantastic. As we do talk about Oklahoma, let's go to that game as they handle TCU 33-14. to This is one we definitely got wrong, Will. I think we you know, both thought TCU would make more of a game of this and perhaps even pick them a little bit. Spencer Rattler only completed 13 passes, but he got some massive plays as he goes for over 330 yards, which is... Unbelievable, really. Um, Oklahoma did a good job at controlling the line of scrimmage, particularly on defense. Deshaun White and Brennan Bradley-Hiles, who's kind of that, um, you know, safety hybrid nickel corner type, undersized guy, but he's really nosy, likes getting in and around the point of attack. So those guys had big days. The only one thing that I think Oklahoma would like to tidy up, they only scored three touchdowns on the day. When you say 33 points, that sounds pretty good. But three touchdowns, had five field goal tries. And, and again, in the big games, you're going to need to convert those three points into seven more often. 
Um, again, that's what the analytics say. That's what the data says. So they're going to want to be able to score more touchdowns than field goals moving forward. Yeah, you're dead set right. Like Spencer Rattler's numbers of 330 yards and two touchdowns without an interception looks great, but you don't want to rely on that on going 13 of 22. You, yeah. you need a better efficiency rate than that. Yes, that's awesome that you can achieve that, but some of those big chunk plays aren't always going to be there for you. And I mean, maybe they're not looking at stepping up in competition because they've already got the two losses and it's going to be tough for them to now find a big marquee game to go into. But they're still looking at an outside chance of making the Big 12 championship. They still have Oklahoma State on the schedule. They could ruin your year. Absolutely. Then, you know, they certainly would take a lot of joy out of that. So they would want to work that out because those numbers are concerning. Yeah, I mean, they're not sustainable. And not only that, it wasn't like Spencer Rattler was hitting the deep ball. It was a lot of plays, you know, not deep down the field, but it was wide receivers making plays, missed tackles, things like that. It wasn't necessarily that they were scheme super open and he hit the deep ball. So that is not sustainable. You come up against a defense that, that sticks those tackles, which normally TCU will, you know, you're not putting up those kind of numbers. So again, there's there's something that just feels a little bit off about Oklahoma. And that's not to say that that's a bad thing. Teams with new quarterbacks and all that sort of stuff, you know, they, they can't make the playoff every year. And Oklahoma this year, it's not going to happen for them. And that's okay as well. And it's okay to take a little bit of a step back for a year. Teams do that all the time. Some stay really far down. I don't think that will be Oklahoma, but something to think about when we talk about the playoff anyway uh baylor score 13 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to make their game against texas look closer than what it was as they go down 27 to 16 nothing special here for texas and this season is quickly sliding towards mediocrity again that sounds pretty harsh because they did get a win but baylor aren't particularly great on top of that it just feels like no one cares about Texas after their loss in the Red River shootout. So I don't know how much media attention they're getting from this point on. And Sam Ellinger will go out, as he has done in most of his seasons, actually, and that is being pretty irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, you are being slightly harsh but slightly fair towards this Longhorns unit. That's what happens when you drop two games early on in the season. You don't have that attention around you and whilst they got the win on this one it, it wasn't an overly exciting matchup uh they now roll into Stillwater for a big matchup with Oklahoma State and I think we'll get to see a lot of what this Texas team is made up of because as we've kind of mentioned it Tom Herman is really fighting for his job somewhat mm-hmm. like if he can win this game then yeah you know they're showing promise they had some disappointing things but it's a crazy year if they get blown out this week then certainly there's real concern there that he might not be the man to lead that unit keeping on trucking as we head to Morgantown uh Morgantown I can't remember where this one was played actually was this in Morgantown no it was in Lubbock in Lubbock yeah, it was in Lubbock Texas Tech beat West Virginia 34-27. I clearly didn't spend much time on this one, but back-to-back victory for the Mountaineers. Columbia was... I never know how to say that guy's name. The new quarterback there replacing Alan Bowman. Columbia? Columbia? Columbia, I think it is. Was solid for the Red Raiders. Mostly actually outplayed by West Virginia, but that counts for nothing as they drop to 2-2 two and two in the Big 12, and they probably will continue their run, both of these teams, to the same mediocrity as the Longhorns. I mean, yeah, Texas Tech had their first win in conference, which is really important for them. Uh, They're looking to try and build on something there after Cliff Kingsbury left a couple of years ago. Uh, Is it Matt Wells, who's come in and and taken the job there? And he's done a respectable job. And I think he probably deserves... Uh, a win at least in the Big 12 from what we've seen so far so for them to get that over West Virginia they'd be thrilled and they're not an easy out I mean both of these teams we kind of mentioned it in the lead too very similar both can knock over a team on their day uh, but it's Texas Tech who managed to get on top of this one at home Texas Tech have to be like the streakiest team certainly in the Big 12 maybe in maybe not quite in college football but like 
when they get hot, they 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 almost feel unbeatable in lots of ways. And then you go and watch them the next week, and they can't move the ball. I mean, that's a bit air raidy, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. But. Right. I think that was what we were going to see from Mississippi State, and then it hasn't yeah. been streaky. It's just been a landslide. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last game, which I feel sorry for teams that play Kansas every week because we never spend time on it, but Kansas State absolutely murk the Jayhawks 55-14. to 14. So we're not going to... Sorry, Kansas fans and Kansas State fans, but... Be yeah, I mean, Kansas State continue on 4-0 in the Big 12. So mm-hmm. they're uh, currently top of the Big 12 rate rankings with uh, it freshman quarterback Will Howard in the mix. Yeah. Get it done. We'll see, yeah, we'll see how that plays out as he comes up against some bigger defenses. Again, their big game appears to be the Oklahoma State one. Let's jump into the ACC. Clemson eventually distanced themselves from Syracuse 47-21. to 21. We've got to find something wrong with Trevor Lawrence. He threw his first pick six ever, and it even wasn't really his fault. It was kind of touched by a wide receiver, fell in the lap of a defender, and then... Away they went. Syracuse were actually within six in the third quarter, but a scoop and score triggered some late game scoring for the Tigers and they eased themselves away. I saw there was a guy who put a whole lot of money on $100,000, was it? On uh, Clemson to win, which paid out $8.60. So $8.60. You bet a hundred thousand dollars to win eight dollars sixty. Ten thousand dollars might have been ten. Nah, it was no, it was a hundred thousand dollars. It was a lot of cash to win eight dollars sixty. Hey, it's a safe bet. Dude needs to find a better bookie. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, Notre Dame destroys Pitt forty-five to three. I can't really pick this Notre Dame team. They couldn't move the ball against a terrible Louisville team. Then the following week, they flay a Pitt defense that's supposed to be like the top twenty in the country. Um, Ben Skronek, I think that's how you say his name, made a couple of big plays and looks to be another big-bodied wide receiver for the Irish. Um, and their best is really, really good this year. I I can't really pick them. I know Pitt are playing with a, a true-ish kind of freshman uh, quarterback replacing Kenny Pickett, and they made life really, really uncomfortable for him. So Notre Dame looked to be on their day certainly worthy of that top five position in the polls. Yeah, I mean, Pitt have really fallen off the face here. They are a completely different team now to what we saw defensively dominant in the first three games. I mean, they they won those first three. We were excited about that defense and how good they looked. And since then, they've dropped all four games and the defense has not been great. It hasn't been woeful but it hasn't been good and the offense has continued to perform at what was a subpar level which is never a good combination so it is uh good to see Notre Dame put their best foot forward they've obviously got a really big matchup with Clemson on the horizon I think they've got one more to play and and then they've got that one there not looking ahead getting themselves tuned up for that one is uh really exciting for all of us college football fans but that is the best we've seen from them so far. And as you said, they look like a top four team on the back of that effort. Absolutely. Wake Forest upset Virginia Tech 23-16. to 16. You picked this one, Will, so you must be happy with the Demon Deacons in this one. But Virginia Tech really should have probably kind of maybe won this one. Penalties, turnovers, poor red zone play were the main culprits in this one for the Hokies. And if you put those three together... You're probably not winning a whole heap of games. Of the four red zone trips they had, they scored two field goals, which is just not good enough. You're not going to win play win games with uh, kind of gameplay like that in the red zone. Khalil Herbert, Herbert was kept quiet on the ground, and Hendon Hooker threw three passes to the other team, and the final one would end the game for good. You cannot come into a game against Wake Forest and expect to win playing like that. Yes, correct. Hendon Hooker was very disappointing on the day, throwing at about 50% and turning the ball over three times. But, I mean, that's who he is, though. Like, he's not a high-completion guy. He's a he's a dual threat, can run the ball, and but you, you can't burn it three times. That'll kill you. 
Correct, correct. And this Wake Forest team uh, was efficient. They, they did what was expected of them, played in front of themselves. Christian Bill Smith uh, had a good day running the ball as a compliment to Kenneth Walker. So he got off for a long 58-yard run uh, and went for over 100 yards himself there. So they were able to control the tempo of the game in this one. I think it's worth noting our boy uh, Oscar Bradburn uh, mm-hmm. had a 14-yard rush Uh, on a fake punt which is always good to see getting the job done not enough to get the victory for him but always good to see our boys we constantly say that when punters have big days we're like it's not enough to get it done but yeah (laughs) that's where we're at all right Miami 19 beat Virginia 14 there was a downpour in this one and neither team managed to look entirely comfortable on offense I, I am really nervous about this Miami team. I don't think they end up the year ranked. I think there's a couple of losses on their horizon. Um, I'm going to get a little bit negative here probably because Miami's defense is predicated on chaos plays and they're expected to come into the year with this awesome pass rush. Admittedly, Gregory Rousseau is not with the team as he's opted out. But Quincy Roche has been disappointing. Um, and Jalen Phillips has been stout against the run, but just doesn't have that explosive first step to be a true um, damaging player in the pass game as well. And that, that pass rush as a whole is not getting home. And, and this chaos offense, this chaos defense and these tackles for loss, when they're not there, when they don't get home... The secondary is coached poorly. They leave wide, wide zone gaps everywhere. And in man coverage, they just get destroyed with wide receivers running free in the secondary. There was some clock management issues from Miami. um, and, And things that we saw last year in terms of interior of the offensive line struggling, the back end of that hurricane secondary, and you know inconsistent quarterback play is starting to rear its ugly head again and i believe that miami is probably Derek king away from being you know they're five and one they're probably Derek king away like away from being three and two um or you know three and three at this stage so i i just i can't believe in them they've got a tricky game against nc state next week um and we see what um, Notre Dame did to Pitt and then you have a look at what Miami did to Pitt and their quarterback situation defensively and, and I think there's a long long way to go for the Canes here I, I, I'm not convinced in Blake Bay I don't know I could keep going on and on and I won't but there's some losses coming from Miami they're not a number 11th or 12th in the in the country at the moment no you're being way too harsh on your boys here mate and, and when you say you're a Derek King away from something so is fucking everyone like he's a Anyone with a good quarterback rides that, and that's kind of what you have. And if he's not around, then yeah, you're not going to be nearly the team you are. But you've got him this year, and he's a player. Credit to Virginia in this matchup. They obviously went into it with a tactic to prevent the run, stop stop your boys from being able to get it going on the ground. And they did that to good effect across the day. Uh, They kept Derek King quite well contained and in the pocket or if he was out they had him spied they had him chewed up fairly well he never really got on uh, any long runs wasn't able to get the end zone there forced him to pass and he He stepped up but but this is where i don't understand the gameplay they were running inside zone inside zone inside zone inside zone into the teeth of a very good run defense and derrick king was lighting them up through the air throw it 80 percent of the times you know the virginia secondary is not good I, don't, I, don't, I just don't understand the gameplay there. I don't get it. I know it's wet, but fuck me. He, he, he did throw the ball 30 times, and you're right, he did light him up. And, and it was his play that ultimately was the difference in this match and, and got your team the win in what was a rally, relatively close and lackluster match. But it's mm. easy to say that. I mean, the key is to not turn the ball over, not put, him, put himself in positions to be able to turn that over and, and control it and win the game. And, and they've done that. Looking at the schedule for uh, Miami coming home too, they'd be favourite in all bar maybe the North Carolina one that they finish at home. Which they get at home, which is good. But I mean, I think NC State's going to... Like, when you look at it, who have we beaten? Florida State, Louisville, Virginia, and Pitt. And, and like... 
you look at those teams and that's like of the 15 teams in the ACC that's like 10 11 12 13 like we haven't re- outside of Clemson who absolutely trashed us so I think NC State's going to be tricky we're coming off a bye and we notoriously suck after a bye and we've got Virginia Tech who aren't a bad team either so I don't know I don't I don't trust this coaching staff and I think there's a few losses coming okay uh, mate this is yeah this is me after years and years of being a Miami fan. This is where you get to. <laughs> you are a hardened uh, Miami fan. Yeah. NC State lose their offensive kick without Devin Leary. And North Carolina control this one from the outset, 48-21. to 21. It was actually the running game rather than the passing game uh, that was off the mark for NC State, though, despite the change at quarterback. 326 yards to... Um, Michael Carter and Javante Williams for North Carolina. 36, sorry, check that, 34 total rushing yards for NC State. So that makes things particularly difficult. North Carolina move on and should feel pretty comfortable in the next three games, but they have got two big ones to finish out that little run. So if they can stay tight, they're still in ACC Championship contention as well. Yeah, I mean, Javante Williams and Michael Carter are probably the best one-two punch going around at the moment like they they get a really good balance between the two of them and they are just lighting it up short Mm. that one game uh where they got turned over by virginia tech this team is running the ball with great effect and they're not asking sam how to do too much like they're letting him play a bit of a game manager role and and leaning on that run and it's working for them so whilst i've been quite down on this north carolina team i like the identity that they've put forward this year uh and and what they're going about there and they could go a long way with that i still think they're going to struggle to match up with the top end of the acc uh in clemson and notre dame uh, and even your boys in and amongst there, that'll, that'll be a big showdown. But I, I, I think that it's those two teams at the top there and, and North Carolina are still a, a step or two behind. All right. Pushing on. BC beat Georgia Tech 48-27. You'll be happy with that. What you won't be happy with is Louisville crushing Florida State 48-16. to I did pick this one. Hey, there's one for me. Javian Hawkins was the man for Louisville, as he has been so many times, not just this year, but... Previous to that as well, three touchdowns, 174 yards. Um, but you need to make sure that if you're betting, if you're a betting man, team beats a top 10 team and then go on the road, bet against them. You took them, not such a good decision by you. No, you are right. <laughs> that never happens. All right, into the SEC. Uh, Alabama beat up on Tennessee 48-17. to 14th consecutive win for the Tide in this matchup. There's just no room to move for that Tennessee offense. They put up over 300 yards, which isn't disgraceful. But in 2020, that is well below par. Mac Jones continues to do good things. Najee Harris and the entirety of that Alabama team is really good. Yeah, I mean, Najee Harris has put up 14 touchdowns now. How many games have they played? Five, six? Five games, 14 touchdowns. Yeah. Those are pretty impressive numbers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have to just wait and see on Alabama and I don't think there's any reason that they will lose from this point out until they get to a semi-final. Uh, okay, I do have one more clip, so let's get to Auburn and Old Miss, which was a really entertaining game. Nick's sideline shot. Seth Williams has it and he's free down the sideline. Touchdown, Auburn, 58 yards. Yeah, Bo Nix completed that pass to Seth Williams with a minute and change on the clock as they put themselves ahead 35-28 and they would stay ahead for the entire game, for the rest of the game and come away victorious in this one. That was a really, really good game. I was impressed with both offenses, particularly the run games. They were the highlight of this. Tank Bigsby, Sean Shivers, and Bo Nix all had good moments for Auburn. On the other side, Jerry and Ely, Snoop Connor, Matt Corral combined for over 200 yards. So between the two teams on the ground, we had over 500 yards, which is maybe more of a reflection of the defense, but a good amount of creativity by both teams. That's the kind of running game that Gus Malzahn wants to get going, and he eventually had a defense that he could take advantage on or advantage of 
Matt Corral, I think, and this may be the, the big moment in the game, and, and you would never admit that a certain play impacts the game, particularly this early on, but Matt Corral on the opening drive leads them down the field and throws a pick in the end zone. He then got benched after that for John Reese Plumley as well. Um, but that pick there might have been the difference. If they go in there, then, you know, that could buoy them to... Of course, it changes the whole outcome of the game, but... Oh, I just think that that one there really, really cost them. Um, but Matt Crow worked there, worked them back into the game. Actually, led into the end of the game before that touchdown and two-point conversion for Bo Nix. And Matt Crow eventually did work them down into to have a last-second fling at the end zone, but was about four yards over the line of scrimmage and didn't make the distance anyway. So, um, a, a win for Auburn. Um, and against an offense that you pretty much contained at 28 points. I think they'd be relatively happy with that win. Yeah, I'm, I feel for Mississippi fans at the moment because they're an awesome team that everyone wants to watch. Like yeah. Everyone's getting around them because they play exciting football, but they ain't fucking winning. No. And as a supporter of that, it's like, yeah, everyone likes watching my team because they play exciting football, but we're one and four and and you want to start to see those results turn and I think they will it's going to take a bit of time the SEC West is not somewhere you can go and kind of get a few nice easy ones to to get into stride every week it's going to be a battle and every week they're putting on a show they're just coming up on the wrong side of it at the moment and a lot of that comes down to your boy Matty Corral and mm. just his inability not to turn the ball over uh, at like the he, moment he, he didn't start this way and ever since he <laughs> threw the first pick he's like hey i can do more of this yeah yeah correct he he caught that so uh it's yeah i i i think he's still a live wire and, and really exciting player to watch but that's got to turn around if these guys are going to want to get out on top of some of these uh shootouts that they're getting themselves involved in yeah and and i've got no doubt like not that you're looking ahead to season 2021 yet but you you have to feel good moving into next season that they're going to be again much better like they're losing games close now to to what we thought well what some people thought was a good auburn team and they're losing close you, you know you'll start to win those games if you are a Mississippi fan, you may well be looking forward to season 2021. <laughs> um, all right, Missouri hold down Kentucky 20-10. to 10. I didn't pick the Tigers to do any kind of damage this year. Eli Drinkwitz has done a really good job. Um, the Wildcats are definitely not electric, but they're always a tough team. And anytime you beat Kentucky, I think you've got to be really, really happy. Uh, Connor Basilak was steady again from Missouri, and they appear to be beyond kind of challenging or plucky they are pretty capable larry roundtree here's some strange numbers for you ran the ball 37 times for the missouri offense and they beat kentucky at their own game they handed the ball off 62 times ball control and defense 43 minutes of offense compared to 16 for kentucky 36 offensive plays was all the wildcats got 36 that ain't getting it done um, Missouri have now won a shootout and then they ground out a win in this one. They're winning in multiple ways, which is really important as well. So good stuff by Missouri. They appear to be another team along with Arkansas. There's more teams in this conference that are just plain old hard to beat. Uh, I don't. Who, who's the worst team now? Mississippi State? They've gone from beating LSU out the gate to being the worst team in the conference? I don't know. Like You're not getting an easy game in the SEC. No, you certainly aren't. And, and that is madness, isn't it? 36 plays to 92 on the other side <laughs> of it. That is insane. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kentucky will tend to do this, but completing four passes on the day is, is not great if your ground game really isn't going. So if, if you're not able to get over 100 yards on the ground and you've completed four passes, you're not going to win a lot of football games. Yeah. So my boy Connor Bazelak uh, remains undefeated. Let's see how long this can roll for now. Uh, he's looked good again, so that's exciting. There is reason for excitement in Missouri. They, uh, they've turned around the last couple, and things are looking promising there. Yeah, go on, Missouri. I'll be, I'll be getting on them. Uh, other games we do... Oh, actually, before... I nearly, I nearly missed this one here, but Miles Brennan sat out for LSU. 
um, as they put up 52 points and dominate South Carolina, who could manage 24. I thought that game would be closer. It was not. No, it was not. <laughs> other games from other conferences. SMU concede two late touchdowns to, to Cincinnati as the Bearcats take control of the American 42-13. to 13. That game was closer than that scoreline sort of looks. Um, but SMU came up against a really, really good Cincinnati defense. Any thoughts on this one, Will? Yeah, I mean, it's closer than that, but not all that much closer, I'd argue. Like, Cincinnati felt like they controlled this game. They were the better team on the day, and it was their defense. It was that strength-on-strength play that we said, the SMU offense that's been passing and running the ball so effectively, putting up these crazy numbers, just came up against a really stout unit that just completely shut them down, uh, restricted them to 13 points. So Cincinnati looked really good there. They need to keep on trucking now. They've got Memphis on deck, so it doesn't get any easier for them. This is the meat of their schedule. If they can do that, they've got every shot of running this season undefeated. And who knows from there, with the crazy shit that we're seeing, there might be a whole bunch of two lost teams ahead of them and they might have an argument to potentially even play as a playoff uh, buster scenario there. Uh, Memphis, Houston, UCF and Tulsa all win in the American as well as that conference starts to take a little bit of shape. Not heaps, uh, because Houston is still undefeated in conference as well, but the bottom certainly has bottomed out, uh, and those teams will not be competing this year, whether you're Tulane or Temple or... Uh, I think there's one more. Um, Marshall and Liberty stay undefeated in Conference USA. Louisiana get a big win over UAB. Um, and that Coastal is Carolina. Continue yeah, Coastal Carolina ways. and BYU roll on as well. Um, Mountain West, who also kicked off conference play this week or play in general. Boise State cruise past Utah State. Hawaii beat Fresno on the road. Never an easy trip to make. San Diego State, Nevada win. Nick Starkle bobbed up for the San Jose State Spartans as they win. Um, but Nick Starkle, the former Texas A&M quarterback, uh, has, you know, that San Jose team has not been good. Um, so they get a win as well. Any thoughts on any of those games? No, it's good to have the Mountain West back. Some uh, later games in the day. So a bit of an afternoon slate. If you have got up for the early morning one, then yeah, that's tough sledding. But if you have slept in because you had a big night the night before, it's nice to have football on well into the day. Yeah, and it goes deep. All right, let's get to our rewind. Has to be for me, Indiana and Penn State, particularly that two-point conversion. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go and do that and you make the decision. Did he score or did he not? I'll leave that call to you guys. Will? Yeah, like that. Uh, mine this week is a little bit close to my heart uh, as a Chicago fan in the NFL. So I'm not sure if you caught this one. but <laughs> this uh, Rice? Middle Tennessee and Rice went yeah. to double overtime and... In that second overtime period, or, or the first, uh, one of the overtime periods, they had an opportunity to kick a field goal. Uh, the kick went up, hit the left crossbar, or left up, or the right left upright. Up as you're looking at it, whatever from behind. One of the uprights, the crossbar, the other upright, back to the crossbar and fell out. So whilst <laughs> in Chicago, we had the double doink. This was the fabled quadruple doink. Yeah. And out. So worth a watch because you're not going to see that very often. Maybe ever again. <laughs> that is tough to do. Um, yeah, some a couple of crazy moments there. So make sure you go back and check those out. All right, let's get to Aussies in action. William. Yes, so big day for Australians. Now we have the Big Ten back, uh, Mountain West, a whole bunch more Aussies getting their first action on the year, which was really good. Blake Hayes at Illinois was one of them, uh, and he had a really good day there. So five punts at an average of 43.2, a little bit busier than he would have liked. Uh, Not able to get the team going, but good to see him back in action as he is one of the top 
Aussies representing over there. Uh, Trent Schneider, who's been out, I'm not sure injured or what the deal's been there, hasn't punted the last couple of games, but was back in action, had a really solid day for the Bulls, had four punts at an average of 46, which is good to see. They're not uh, good at the football this year. No, they are struggling. They are really struggling, but that's probably because he's been out hurt. So I think now he's back, he can really buoy the boys up and get them going. Uh, Reese Burns at Louisville, uh, sorry, not Louisville, uh, Louisiana, uh, has been probably one of the driving forces behind the success that they've had this year. Uh, he had three punts at an average of 48, which is just incredible. James Smith at Cincinnati continues to do his thing with five at 45 and a bit. Louis Headley is right up there and in the thick of the race for the Ray Guy Award at the moment. I've got him, I've got Max Duffy, and I've got that big fella at Georgia Tech as my top three at the moment. Uh, he had another really strong day with five at uh, 43.2. John Haggerty out at Western Kentucky went for three at 47 and continues to just drop the bomb. Uh, Max Duffy continues to do what he does, six at 44. And Lucas Dean, uh, the Roadrunners, had four at 46 and a half. Yeah, UTSA won again as well. They're looking to go bowling. Absolutely. Yeah. That. When, when you've got a punter that's as damaging as Big L. Dean, then that's what's going to happen. I like how people talk about the quarterback being one of like the most important position in all of sports everywhere. More important than a, you know, a point guard in basketball. More important than a closer in baseball. But you are making the argument, my friend, that the punter actually sets the tone for Look, teams in college football. I'm going to say it's a 1A, 1B sort of deal with quarterback and punter. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, let's get to bold predictions. Uh, the success continued here. So um, I hit on mine. I said Justin Fields would have more combined touchdowns, throwing and passing than incompletions. He had one incompletion, two passing touchdowns, one on the ground. So I have hit on a bold prediction and that hasn't happened since season one. So Bang. well done me. Good job, buddy. And in a first for us as a combined unit, I've also hit my bowl prediction. Way. I've said that the Big Ten favourites would win by a combined 100 points. And on the back of some one-sided affairs, particularly Ohio State, uh, Northwestern Wisconsin. smacking and Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin uh, they, it was, I think, 120 points in the end uh, to the to the favourites. And that's with a couple of upsets in there too. Tight upsets, but a couple of upsets. So both you and I getting it done. Well done us. This never happens. The, the, the only other thing I did have was that Bo Nix would play arguably his best game ever, whilst he played probably his second or third best game ever. It wasn't his best. He was good. Um, but that bonus one didn't come in. Anyway, I'll I'll take the top one. It's like, yeah, I've got to lock in your first answer. All right, let's get to on the punt. Is this a... I haven't actually talked to you about this, so are we talking wins? now. we're probably talking this one, aren't we? Yeah, you're right. Well done. Uh, <laughs> just, just, just a safe default. Safe default <laughs> that you have there. So uh, I went to try and back some upsets, and there just there wasn't as many this week. Or if there were, I wasn't picking the right ones. So <laughs> <laughs> I had a few stabs. Uh, I had uh, TCU to knock over Oklahoma. Ooh. Hindsight doesn't look strong. What a good pick. Uh, I had Florida State to beat Louisville. That was even worse. Didn't happen. <laughs> you warned me. And uh, I did not listen. The, uh, the roughest of the three that I did pick, however, was Wake Forest to beat Virginia Tech. And that managed to happen. So I, uh, I made some money back on that. Uh, all up, I had lost uh, nine units on, well, nine units across the day. Got nine units back on the win. But I did put a unit on multiing them all together. So I'm down one unit on the day, taking the season total to negative 21 units. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, it's, I mean, it's only up from here. Shooter's got to shoot. We've heard it all before. Uh, and and my racehorse one for those of you playing along at home. Uh, race go. 8, Morpheville. I did give that tip out. I hope you followed it because it was a big day. Um, is that three wins on the bounce? Hat trick, my friend. What Turkey. Does that mean? Are you going to run in anything important now? This, this was the grand final for it. So this was like the Vidora Stakes final. Uh, so it was, it was the main race at Morfittville on the day, $100,000 race. It got up. Uh, 
I think we're going to continue to run it whilst it's in good form. We might go to some more impressive races where it will be not so favoured, but if it can steal something, maybe it becomes a stakes horse. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know what any of those words mean, nor do I really give a shit. (laughs) Uh, All right, that brings us to the end of our Week 8 recap. Uh, We've gone through all the big stuff, so hopefully you have enjoyed it. Again, please do hit us up on social media. Uh, Leave us that five-star review. Subscribe to the show. Do all the things, please. Just do the things that we need you to do. It really helps us out, so make sure you do the things. All right. A day late. We do apologize. We'll get our week nine recap. I haven't had a look at the slate. Have you had a quick look at it, Will? Is there anything juicy coming up? Uh, Bits and pieces. I haven't had a great dissect of it yet, though. Okay, well, thank you for that. That's really <laughs> insightful. I'm, I'm really excited about that. We got but Ohio if, State, Penn State. That's where ga- game day is heading. So I can tell you that much. There appears to be a grand total of zero ranked matchups. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State, like you said. Um, but apart from that, this might be a weekend to miss. Oklahoma State, Texas will be a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, On behalf of that guy over there, for myself, thank you very much for listening. My name's Aaron, that's Will, and we will see you next time. Hopefully, Alabama lose and I can stop playing this stupid outro.